0: Welcome to the Sociology is Good for Your Health podcast. We are Victoria University class members of SHE3001 Social Basis of Health. Thanks for tuning in. The aim of this podcast series is to explore health issues from a sociological perspective. Our class has chosen the topic of family, domestic, and sexual violence to be explored throughout this four-part series. Before we begin, I'd like to forewarn the audience that this podcast contains material that can be confronting or disturbing. Topics that will be discussed may cause sadness, distress, or trigger traumatic memories for people, particularly survivors of past abuse, violence, or childhood trauma.
1: So, for those that tuned into last week's episode, we discussed why family, domestic, and sexual violence is a major health and welfare issue that affects people from all ages, genders, and backgrounds. You may also recall learning that women and children fall into being the most vulnerable to these types of violence. Statistics indicate that sexual, domestic and family violence is observable on a worldwide scale. The findings represent that social structures, cultural, cultural customs and social institutions are all ways that people are influenced in this world. I would say this indicates that there are a number of factors leading to the social problem encountered by families, partners and vulnerable people. In today's episode, we're going to dive
2: into the health issue of sexual, domestic and family violence and focus on the social patterning that is currently present in Australia. Joining us today for this discussion is sociologist Dr. Brown to open up the discussion with some information about how domestic, violence, domestic family and sexual abuse is patterned in Australia. Hi oh
3: guys, thank you so much for having me here today.
2: Dr. Brown, can you tell us a little bit about how sexual and domestic violence is patterned within Australian society?
3: Yes, I can. This is such an important topic to be discussing. In my studies, I found in Australia, domestic, family, and sexual violence is found across all cultures, ages, and socioeconomic groups. Although the majority of those who experience these forms of violence are women. However, it is not possible to measure that exact extent of the problem, as most incidents of domestic, family, and sexual violence go unreported.
2: Well, that must be really hard for someone going through that to feel safe reporting.
3: Yes, you're right. In 2013, an Australia-wide survey on personal safety conducted by the Australia Bureau of Statistics found that many men and women experience at least one encounter with violence in their lifetimes. The survey showed that men are far more likely to experience physical violence at the hands of a stranger, but the majority of women experience physical violence at the hands of a partner. Both men and women are more likely to experience physical violence than sexual violence, but women are much more likely to experience sexual assault in their lifetime than men.
2: That is a lot to take in and some really interesting information. Dr. Brown, thank you for that. Are you ready to take some calls?
3: I sure am. Let's do it.
2: So we've just had David on the line for the last couple of minutes. Let's hear from him now. How are you today, David? Yeah, G'day, David here. I just wanted to call to say violence and sexual abuse against women
3: is overstated by the media and has gone mad. Men are at risk too. Women always say they get hurt, but what about men? Does anyone care about them? Well, David, that's a strong opinion. Are you aware of any statistics?
1: Oh, I think I know enough.
3: Well, are you interested in hearing about some other statistics? Go on, then. Well, David... If we want to compare sexes about who's at greater risk, it's important to address past research. There was a study conducted by ABS in 1996. It surveyed 6,300 females and showed just how high the rate of violence is against females. The statistics reported 42% of females who had been in previous relationships experienced violence by a previous partner, and 23% of women who had ever been married or in a de facto relationship experienced violence by a partner at some time during the relationship.
2: Well, Dr Brown, that's an extremely high statistic. Was there an age group at a higher risk?
3: Yes, actually. It was reported that women aged 18 to 24 have shown to have much higher risk than those older, older than them. The survey stated 7.3 percent of women aged 18 to 24 years had experienced one or more incidents of violence from a current partner in the previous 12-month period compared to 1.2 percent of women aged 55 and over.
2: Just shocking
3: Just shocking. Uh, thank you for that Dr. Brown seems we've lost the line with David thanks
2: for that David. Dr. Brown, do you think
3: there are specific
2: health groups that are at a higher risk?
3: Actually everyone can be affected. Men, women, children, and those from indigenous and diverse backgrounds. David,
2: locked to hear that one, I reckon.
3: But if you were to have a look at the facts, there would be some difference about how much each group is affected. It can really come down to who is reporting violence against their partner or family members, or we have to ask are people in a situation where they're too scared to report that they are currently or have been abused? All this information affects our ability to understand who really is at risk.
2: Terrific point that you raised, Dr Brown. Uh, our researchers have told us that in 2017, according to the World Health Organisation, that one in three people have experienced either physical and sexual abuse from their partner.
3: Yes, it's a high statistic that really needs addressing. If I recall correctly, as well in Australia, Indigenous Australians are more likely to suffer from domestic, family and sexual violence. If you were to compare the data between non-Indigenous Australians and Indigenous Australians it would show that Indigenous Australians are more likely to be affected.
2: Well, wow, that's interesting.
3: Why do you think this occurs? Well, there are many factors that can cause a divide in the community. When looking at research from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, there are a range of causes that can trigger a violent episode. We can look at the situational factors that can trigger violence, such as the surrounding environment, which could include a lack of education or unstable family life. We can also look deeper at the underlying historical factors. Such as intergenerational trauma from the stolen generation. This has also proven to show a higher rate of an individual enacting in or becoming a victim of violent behaviour. That is certainly a lot of factors that are detrimental
2: towards Indigenous Australians. It's really fascinating how something that may have happened three or more generations ago can still have such a large impact on one's life. Our research team has conducted some background information. <coughs> So according to the Australian Institute of Welfare, Health and Welfare, sorry, in 2016-17, Indigenous Australians are 32 times more likely to be hospitalised for family violence than non-Indigenous Australians. When we want to compare Indigenous men and women against each other, females are 31 times more likely to be hospitalised for assault-related injuries, whereas men are only 14 times more likely.
3: Yes, that is all correct. Statistics and in- are another reason to work on not only the issue of violence, but the issue of closing the gap between non-Indigenous and Indigenous people.
2: Very true, Dr. Brown, very true. Okay,
3: so we're just going to take a second to get another
2: call on the line. Bear with us, everyone, and stay tuned. Welcome back. So we'll be taking another call. We have Jenny on the line. How are you, Jenny?
0: Hi, everyone. I have a question for Dr. Brown. Of course.
2: Go
3: ahead, Jenny.
0: In regards to rural and remote communities, what would you say are the leading causes for violence and abuse? I feel as though this is not a heavily talked about topic and is mainly focused in major cities.
3: It's a very interesting question. People in rural and remote areas in Australia count for around 7 million people, or about 28% of the Australian population. When we compare this data with the metropolitan areas, people who live in the Australian rural and remote communities have higher rates of alcohol consumption and greater access to firearms, both of which can increase the risk of partner violence. While living in a rural and remote areas, it can restrict a victim's ability to leave a violent relationship and their ability to access both informal support such as friends and family and formal support such as police, health and domestic violence support services. Victims in these communities may also be deterred from disclosing their experiences of abuse due to fear of stigma or shame in the close-knit communities. That may view that violence as a family problem. You know that it should stay in the family.
0: Hmm, okay, very interesting. What about socio-economic areas? I'm from a lower socio-economic area and was wondering, compared to those in a high socio-economic area, how do people living in a similar position to myself compare in this health area?
3: Well Jenny, there is certainly a comparison between socioeconomic area, partner violence, and emotional abuse. According to a study by ABS on personal safety, compared to higher socioeconomic areas, women and men living in low socioeconomic areas are more likely to have experienced physical and or sexual violence or emotional abuse from a partner since the age of 15. For those that live in low socioeconomic areas, 27% of women had experienced emotional abuse from a partner, a current or previous partner, compared to 18% of women who live in the highest socioeconomic areas.
2: That is some confronting statistics, Dr. Brown. Jenny, thank you for calling and asking some relevant questions. We hope you enjoy the rest of your day. How about we get another caller? So we just got another caller coming in at the moment. Shane, he's here to share his thoughts and questions on sociology. How are you,
1: Shane? Good, thanks, mate. Thanks for having us on. Uh, Yeah, I've got a question for uh, Dr. Brown. Isn't sociology just uh, leftist rubbish? How could that possibly help us understand family violence and sexual abuse patterns? Thanks for your
3: question, Shane. Sociology is a paramount in understanding health patterns. There are sociological concepts such as patriarchy, intersectionality, colonisation and disposition, intergenerational trauma connecting the past with the present. That directly inf- influences health patterning.
2: Well... It's a bit of complicated language there, Dr. Brown. Are you able to break that down for us a bit more?
3: Absolutely. The physical, spiritual and emotional wounds inflicted on Australia's first people continue to impact on the current health status of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. For example, the history of identity trauma through westernisation of the Indigenous names and removal of their homes and family have really inflicted deep wounds on many Aboriginal men and women who feel they lost their sense of identity. As late as the 1960s, some Australians were given dehumanising names. I don't like the same, such as diesel
1: engine or pox. Yeah, look, that's awful. I can understand where you're coming from. But this happened 50 years ago, so surely by now they've moved on.
3: Well, Shane, that's a bold statement. It's important to understand a number of risk factors are still going on this day due to colonisation and disposition.
1: Okay. What sort of risk factors contribute to this?
3: A combination of individual, relational, community and societal factors contribute to the risk of becoming perpetrator of sexual violence. Understanding these factors can help help identify various opportunities for prevention. There are still a number of Indigenous Australians that are affected by intergenerational trauma caused by a stolen generation, if they weren't directly part of it.
2: Can you name some of these individual factors, Dr Brown?
3: Sure. These aren't all the individual risk factors, however, the main ones that we've seen contribute to violence and abuse is alcohol and drug use. On nights after big events such as the Grand Final and Melbourne Cup, we can see an increase increase in violence due to high amounts of intoxicated people. You can also look at an individual's general aggressiveness and acceptance of violence, or even their sexual history, such as early sexual initiation, coercive sexual fantasies, and even exposure to sexually explicit material.
1: Okay, so what you're saying is that we need to look at the bigger picture of what factors contribute to these types of violence in order to work on preventing it happening.
3: Absolutely, Shane, you're correct. That's a very understanding point of view.
1: Just for calling up today.
2: Well, I'm going to have to stop you there as that's all the time we have for today. Thanks to our callers for their questions and queries. Dr. Brown for giving us some insightful feedback their common misconceptions and giving us a greater understanding on how sociology connects to our health.
3: Not a problem at all, guys. Thanks.
0: We hope you have enjoyed this episode and have gained further insight into the social patterning of sexual, domestic and family violence in Australia. If you have been moved by this episode and want to aid and reduce those impacted by the issue, give this episode a like, share and comment. Open dialogue with friends, family and colleagues about the information you have learned here today. Awareness is key and awareness starts with you. If today's episode has affected you, if you need to reach out and talk to someone, or if you're in a situation where you feel unsafe, there is support available for you. The following numbers are free to call and will give you the advice and help you need. Find and connect support services 1800 161109, Monday to Friday 9am to 5pm. Lifeline 13 11 14, anytime for confidential telephone crisis support. Free counselling is available through the National Sexual Assault Domestic Family Violence Counselling Service, 1-800-737-732. These numbers will also be posted in the show notes for your reference. Join us next week when we discuss the meaning, experiences and stigma of sexual, domestic and family violence. Thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode of Sociology is Good for Your Health. Goodbye for now.